thought it's just all friends all around you. Like, they repeat that chorus again and again. And they're like, my God, it's just again and again. You know, the phrase is like faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, morning by morning, new mercies I see that Him. It's like every day, just remembering how faithful God's been. Like His track record and. And anything that we talk about, and anything when it comes to anything we're meant to do in the Lord, or anything, you know, where God will challenge us to move on, like none of it happens in a void. Like none of it is separate to us remembering like His faithfulness and His goodness. And that what we, what, we, what, we, what, we, what we orbit around this morning might be focused on things that, that we do in light of it, but, but really what we're orbiting around is, is, is what's been done. What's been done for us, how great He's been to us, how great He is, how great He remains. And, I just thank you for your faithfulness this morning, Jesus. I just thank you in my life, Lord. I just, I just thank you, Lord, for never giving up on me, Lord. Like, always walking with me, Lord God. Always, like, like, like guiding me, Lord. Disciplining me, Lord. Walking, like, always being there. Always loving me, Lord God. Lord, when I walked through times and I didn't know what way it would turn out, and I look back in hindsight and I see your hand, like, directing, like, day after day, Lord. You never fail, Lord God. I uh, thank you for that assurance, Lord. As we step into your word this morning, could we step in with that heart and that assurance that, that you're at work in our lives, Lord, in all things to make us more like Jesus, to prepare us for eternity with you, Lord. What you started, you'll finish, Lord. And you walk with us in the middle of it all. We bless you this morning, Lord God. Bless this time in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to speak this morning. Um, Carlos is going to come up and open up on the, just read out the scripture that we're going to base today's. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, everybody. It's a little late in the year, but it's going nearly, nearly near, near the March. Uh, well, reading from Matthew, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, you will be done and earth as it is in heaven. Give us our, our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, our debtors, as we forgive those who are, who are debtors. And let us, let us into our temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For it's your forgiveness. If you forgive so, a man when, when they are, they are wrong you, in heaven, the Father will forgive you, but if you do not forgive the man, the, the Father will not forgive you. In Jesus, Amen. Thank you, brother. So, this morning, I want to use the, the Lord's Prayer as a, a launching point. You know, we've been talking about the practices, and uh, the practice I want to speak on this morning is forgiveness. And, um, and as I speak on, on practices, as we walk through that, you know, we did a whole series speaking through the values of liberty, and then the next season when we're at is like, like what, are the, what are the things that we're called to do that actively help us participate in what God wants to do in our lives? Do you know, um, like just even, even this, this, this past couple of weeks, January started off with a bit of a whimper for me rather than with a bang, because we were like, coming up to the end of December, like, oh, new year, new vision, new, you know what I mean, let's move forward, and then, like, we're close contacts for COVID, and then Patrice got COVID, and we spent three weeks in the house, and then, like, couldn't come to service here two weeks in a row, and then was in Bluebell last week, and it's just like January, it seems like a bit of a, a write-off, and I remember one night, like, uh, like last Tuesday evening, um, I was, like, like couldn't sleep, and uh, not that I was worried or stressed or something, but I was like, Lord, you've given us all these, like, this, this, these plans, you've given us like, not, not plans, right, not like strategies, but 
Like he's, he's compelled us as leaders over, like as the elders, the people who serve the church and serve we're going. And hopefully you guys as we've unpacked it here. Just being compelled by scripture or what Jesus has said his church could be and should be and how he wants to equip it and use it and the great call that's on our life, right? And we're like, I don't know this stuff out, I want to see it in people's lives, I want to see people grow in you, I want to see people like 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 take hold of what it is that, that you have for them. And uh, and then it felt like, you know, January we'll get there and then January was like uh, like, and, uh, and so Tuesday night I was like, kind of like just thinking around that stuff. And then um, also during lockdown, here's the illustration, right? And it's like remedial kind of illustration, but we have, we have this big long back garden at home. And uh, Ruben knows it. About two or three years ago, Ruben came over and helped me dig it up for one of the times that I'd let it over grow over the past 10 years. Here's what would happen. People would come over, Rob, oh, you've got a great back garden. Like, that's brilliant. It's like 80 foot long, just the way it happened in the housing estate. Like, that's a great back garden. And I'd be like, yeah, it's lovely. And then I'd be like, I hate that thing. I <laughs> like, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, because, like, it wouldn't, like, not depress me, that's too, which is too strong a word, but I come home and I look at the back garden, the grass, and go, oh, I'm like, I have to cut that stupid thing again, okay. like, and then you don't cut it, and then it grows too big, and then the dog runs up half in it, and then there's muck coming into the house, and then when you do go to cut it, it's, like, a couple of hours' work, like, just to do it again the next week, and honestly, it would feel like this is a waste of my life, just looking after this, after this space, like, just, like, what am I doing? And uh, so during lockdown, we, we dug it all up and we turned it into like a vegetable patch and we built a polytunnel and I was like, now I'm going to put work into it, I'm going to get something out of it. I'm not just cutting grass to cut it again next week again. It's like putting some time into it to get stuff. But the, and it was a miracle, man. Like, I know we know where food comes from, right? We couldn't buy in the shops or whatever. But this year, we bought every kind of seed. We grew like about 60 different kinds of vegetables last year. It's be putting seeds in the ground. Seeing the seeds turn into like tomato plants. In the polytunnel, and one seed turned into like like a cherry tomatoes, like hundreds of cherry tomatoes from one seed. And inside each tomato, you know, you split it open, there's like another like hundred seeds or something inside that. And the potential, the potential in it. And the Lord spoke to me, I know I feel, saying like that when we cultivate the right kind of space that we'll see, we'll see fruit, we'll see fruit in our lives. Because I still have some tomato seeds at home that I didn't plant, and they're still just seeds in a packet, you know? And they still have the potential. I'll plant them this year and they'll, they'll turn to What's the difference between the ones that produced fruit and the ones that didn't? Is they weren't put in the conditions to do it. And some of the conditions is just a simple for it something in the ground and something grows, right? Others, we, we, treated, we treated those vegetables like they were our kids for a very year. We were like, we planted them, watering them every day. They're on our windowsills. February, March, all our windowsills were taking the seedlings. Putting them onto other spaces, or putting them out. The ones that need light, we're putting need light. The ones that need food, we're giving food. Over the year, we're weeding all the time and enjoyed the process, right? But it was like, what are the things that we need to do to produce fruit? And it was like those things of, of pulling up the weeds. It was those things of making sure that they're watered, of nurturing them, making sure they have the things that they need. I can't cause fruit to grow. I have no idea how cell division happens and a seed turns into a thing. That, like, that's a miracle. I don't cause the sun to rise in the morning and like photosynthesis to happen to, to grow the stuff. I can't produce water to feed them. It falls from the sky in a miracle from heaven, right? But God has ordained that when we get the conditions right, fruit, fruit grows. And Phil, that's where he's leading us as a church. Um, is that... Like what, what, like, what are our conditions? Is there potential in your life, man? Is there seed, seed that God has put in you and it's just like waiting to come to life when it's given the right conditions? When we do the things that we're meant to do so that what God has placed in us is happening. I don't want to step into the bounds of religion because like I started by saying, it's all really about what God has done for us. God's placed the seed. God's put you the stuff around. But then we have the ways that we participate 
so that we can see like what is placed in our life uh, and to grow. And so we've looked at things like when I spoke on rest the other a couple of weeks ago, it was like I believe that Jesus has held out, you know, come to me while you are weary and every day and I'll give you rest for, my, for your soul. I believe that I can have rest for my soul, but then I walk around not like having rest for my soul. Because like I don't participate in what God has said to do. And one of the ways he said we can participate in that is like the practice of Sabbath. There's stuff that's said there. Here's, here's a practice, a way of saying, I want what you want, Lord. But sometimes we want what the Lord wants without doing what the Lord has told us to do. And the practices seem, that might seem like, well, how does that work? Where does the seed grow? I don't know, maybe science could tell us what like, that happened. Like, it's, like, it's like doing the things that God wants. So that's where we're at with these practices. What if we, what if we could look like as a church, just a group of people who, who practice the ways of Jesus together? That all the things that Jesus said, we're like, yeah, I'm going or, to orient my life around that, my days, my weeks, because I want what Jesus want, wants for me. And I'm in awe of the fact that he would even want anything for me. Like that, that he would call me and want to give gift me with this stuff, and that corporately we would we would do it as well. Not just we live in an individualistic culture, right? That you might think, oh, why am I going to do this on my own? But but that corporately we call each other to that. It's a great verses in Ephesians where it says, you know, speaking the truth and love to one another, we're built up in every way into Him who's who's Christ. That, that together we're meant to be speaking this stuff out and we see one another slipping. When we see when we see one another like not practicing or falling off that. You do it again, and then you get the things that you want to grow, grow. But I'm convinced it's about really following Jesus isn't just about some intellectual descent of, yeah, I'll follow Jesus and I'll show up on Sundays or whatever. But like following his ways, being somebody who walks in his ways. And it's the daily sustainable things that put ourselves in the way. When I stop weeding the garden for a week, I come out and stuff is choked up. The stuff I don't want to grow is grown. You know, what's the daily stuff that I do that, that, that ensures that I'm, I'm going where? Availing of what Jesus has for me, yeah. So that's that's where we're that's where we're at, and we want to talk about that. But this morning, in saying all of that, we want to talk about the topic of uh, of forgiveness, right? And initially, when we wrote this list of practices, we've been uh, we've been over a couple of years writing like uh, what are the ways? What are these ways? And the one the reason this came out, I have to say, was because one of the things we said is that we want to be a community like the Bible holds out. You know, when Jesus prays, make them one, as you and I are one. So like a supernatural unity where we're in each other's lives and whatever. And uh, I remember, I might have said this to you before, I remember a few years back, Noel saying to me, uh, there's a lot of conflict in our D Street or something. And uh, like just a conflict amongst people. And uh, I remember being like secretly smug that we had no conflict in bread, right? I was like, oh, there's a great group of people. Do you know what I mean? They're like, no, no one was like giving out to And then I realized after a while that the reason there was no conflict is because we weren't close enough to one another to, to annoy one another. Weren't close enough to be dependent on one another and let one another down. Uh, weren't close enough to, to stress one another out or to have to, to have to be, you know what I mean? You keep someone at a distance, it's okay to say, yeah, I love that person, but I don't really know them, you know? And so, I, when we were writing our practices, I'm like, if we're going to get close, we're going to need to be good at forgiveness, okay? Because, like, otherwise we'll get close and then people will leave, you know what I mean? Or we'll get close and, like, you know, when we're not just maintaining the status quo of, like, come along and pretend everything's all right, how are you doing? Grand, brilliant, see you next week. Like, when we're really, like, loving one another, when we're really in each other's lives to that extent, we're going to need to know how to forgive, right? So it's like we practice forgiveness, that we be people who practice it. But then as you look at the scripture, you, see, you just like to see with the eyes that it's not just something that's good for us, it's like something that Jesus has commanded. So in that, what Carlos read out, he's like, here's how to pray, and in the middle of it, he's like, like forgive us our sins, you know, as we forgive those who 
who've trespassed against us. We forgive our debtors. Uh, and then, the two verses that are at the end, like we usually say, right, leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, and then say, amen, right? You know, read on this next bit. But 14 and 15, like, it gets a bit serious, where right? he's like, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's some, like, expectation. Jesus in the strongest word saying, like, you need to practice this stuff. You know? You need to walk it out. And so that's what we want to we wanna, wanna look at and just examine. And I don't know that I want to speak something like, sometimes when you preach, you're like, you want to preach some big profound message that then, you know, moves people to some big moment and then forgiveness and then they walk out free forever. Maybe that's what the Lord wants to do. But I'm convinced that more than that, God is, God is like, what are you going to do on Monday? What are you going to do on Tuesday? What's your life going to look like as you orbit around, around this stuff? So, like, one, what I want to say, the first thing, the Christian life is different than any other, than any other religion. Like, the Christian life is about revelation and response. It's not about the things that we do to get God to approve of us. It's about what Jesus has done already for us to get us God's approval and then how we live in light of that, right? We want to start with the, 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 the first part here is um, forgive us our debts, right? Just the fact, guys, that we can come to Jesus with boldness and with simplicity, like having sinned, having failed, having rejected God in whatever ways, having chased after whatever else, and that we can come with confidence. And even like in the middle of a prayer, as simple as this, you know, Jesus like, forgive us our debts. You don't say, run around and do a load of penance, get it right before, you know, it's literally a line in a prayer that you pray each day, forgive us our debts, that we can approach with confidence to be forgiven. Like, that's huge. Oh, I just want this. Like, there's always a, the language that the scripture uses here, right? Forgive us our debts. We also forgive our debtors. Sometimes we'd like to say, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins. But, like, that translation of debts is trying to show us that, like, there's always a cost to forgiveness. When God has forgiven you, He's taken on a, he's taken on a debt. Like, if you think of forgiveness in that way, like, if I, if I stole something from you and, uh, and you forgave me, Effectively, what would you be doing? You'd be like forfeiting that, that thing that I've stolen. The cost is there, right? Or take it on an emotional or like a, like a, a mental level. If I hurt you in some way, for you, to, for you to forgive me is like to write off that debt. Like naturally what you want is like repayment. As in, I've hurt you somewhere, but I'm going to hurt him. Or I'm going to make him suffer for a while until, you know, I'm going to like distance myself from relationally. Like I'm going to, whatever. Like that, until I feel the cost is paid. Until I feel satisfied. So forgiveness is like, there's always a cost. And the cost is borne by the one who, who forgives. Like, so to, that's why it's so hard when you talk about forgiveness and like someone's like, I can't forgive. I don't know when I speak about this stuff. Believe me, I don't, I don't want to speak about it just flippantly because I know situations like those like of you who I'm close to, even past already, I know what you've been through in life. I know what people have done against you. That's wrong, that, that we struggle, but, but it's, 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 it's a death. That's why, it's, that's why it's difficult for us to say there's a cost to actually forgive. But it starts with this. It starts with, like, will you forgive us our debts? And that's why the Bible talks about uh, Jesus, like, purchasing our salvation. You know, like, redeeming us. Like, the idea of buying something back like that. He paid the cost for it. And what we see, we're going to share in communion after and remember that. What we see in the cross is, like, the most visceral, raw, like, unfiltered, unambiguous, horrific demonstration of what it cost God to forgive 
your debts. As Jesus is nailed to a cross, humiliated, tortured, and belittled, and murdered, like, to forgive us our debts. That's why we can approach the boldness, because of what's been done. The cross, Jesus took the punishment for our sins and took that debt. And as a result, your debt is, your debt is erased. And I know maybe you know that already, but I just want to say, you know, when we sing, great is your faithfulness, that's the stuff we're saying. Look, look what he's, that's what, he, that's what he's done for us. That's the scope of what's happened to us. And if we stand, if we stand any chance of forgiving others, the key to it, I'm convinced, is to, to, like, to lavish in that and to dwell on the cost of what Jesus has done for us. It's the way anything happens in, in Christianity. The way any change happens, it's about revelation and responsibility, beholding and then becoming. It's about what God has done for us and then what he can do in and through us because of what he's done for us. Every other religion in the world, like I said, will say, do this, this and this to make God happy. The cross says that Jesus did everything to satisfy the death that you owe before God. And now that that's done, you go and do likewise. You go and bear the cost. You go and be like Jesus and forgive, forgive others. I want you to know that it originates with God. And I would have thought that everyone got that. I was listening to sometimes I listen to podcasts when we're driving. Listen to the I mean, listen to like the Tommy and Hector podcast when they read it, like a comedy kind of podcast thing. But every now and again, it's interesting because they talk about religion. They're in like Catholic religion, but man, Tommy Tiernan seems to be searching like religious avenues and like like a bit of insight. And, there's another girl in the reading and I'm like super, super Catholic, like involved in parish life in like over in the West, you know, and she's getting like uh, masses said in her house and stuff. And she was just saying this week that um, she's like, I don't get the stations of the cross. They came to her house and did the stations of the cross. And, uh, and she was talking about it. She's like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. Because she was talking about it like, you know, Jesus fell three times or whatever it is. You know that stations in there. And like, but she was like, like, why did he fall? You know what I mean? Surely Jesus could have just like bore like, could have, like, she's thinking of Jesus, they, they start slagging them, right, the comedy thing, they start, like, talking around. She's thinking of Jesus like the superhero, do you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, who could have done anything. Why did he do that? And uh, Patrice will tell you, I was in the car listening to Patrice, and I was shouting at the radio, like, because he loves you, you big dope, do you know? Because, like, 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 she didn't get, like, she didn't get it. Like, she's like, why didn't he bypass the cross? Why didn't he, like, because if Jesus is just an example, do you know what I mean? Or a good life, but no, this is, this is why he can be, because you needed new life, you needed someone to pay the debt that you couldn't, you couldn't pay. That's why he fell under the weight of the cross. That's why he, he endured it, and like even endured the shame of it, because he, because he loved you. And we can, I just want to say it out loud, because you can be immersed in religion and think you know it. You know what I mean? Even observing the stations or something. You know what I mean? And like, and not get here's here's, here's the why. Because of, because of this great this great love for you. And so I want us to know that and remember that that, that Jesus Jesus loves. He's been faithful to us. And we can approach him for forgiveness, right? But then the second thing is it doesn't, it doesn't stay there. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, it's the only thing that we're asked to do in that prayer. The rest is just about God, your great worship. It's about like, give us our debt, provide for us, protect us, guide us, lead us not in temptation. But in the middle of it, there's something that we're asked to do. And that's to forgive in the way that we've been forgiven. And I think it's nearly like Jesus knows that we'll just like repass that and not and not do it right. Because then he comes like with this, the next two verses after, and he goes kind of hard on it, and he's like, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, and your father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive them their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, I think there's a, I think there's like, 
I talked about the elders about this before I was going to preach on it, right? Because there's a tendency, if we only had those last two verses, you could write and you could probably say, here's how Christianity works. You forgive and then God will forgive you, right? Like, but we don't only have those two verses. We have the whole of Scripture. We have everything else that Jesus said and everything the apostles said. We have the whole story of Scripture that convinces us that we know, like, in our heart to hearts, that we're forgiven by our Father because of what Jesus did for first to last. You just confess with our mouths, believe in Jesus the Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be, you'll be saved. The thief on the side of the, the cross who gave his, like, Today, when, like Jesus says, today you'll be living in paradise. And say, okay, get down off the cross and go forgive a load of people, and like you have to earn your way. Like what was happening in the moment on the cross, there was enough for somebody who showed a glimmer of faith in Jesus to be welcomed into to his kingdom. So we can't be saying, like, you know, here's the condition, like, to avail what Jesus has done. And um, so, what is it? What is it saying? Um, and I think the point is this: um, that. Jesus is saying each time we go to God to forgive us when we're wrong, that we're challenged to forgive others who've wronged us. And I think God, in his love, right, and hear this right, I'm going to be careful that I don't preach religion, right? God, in his love, I think at times, will withhold our experience of his forgiveness if we're holding back forgiveness to other people. And I think he does it as a means of discipline in us to bring us into what he has for us. Why? Because he loves us. Amen. Why? Because he knows that when you when you hold on forgiveness, it's like a like it's a twist in your gut. It's a it's a it's a wrench in your skull. It's the thing that will keep you awake at night. It's the thing that will hit you. Like, yeah, it's like a knife. It's like being stabbed with something. And God wants to free you of that. Why? Because he's looking to redeem the world and in the kingdom of God, it operates by different principles. Like like, and he wants you to be a part of it. His great love for us will cause him to say, okay, if you're not if you're not willing to forgive, that there will be like. He'll allow a distance to grow between us as a way to, to, um, to bring us back to himself, always in his grace. I don't think, I'm convinced, but well I know, he's not talking about your salvation forgiveness here. He's, talking, he's not talking about your justification, he's talking about your sanctification. He's talking about the way that you'll become more like Jesus, is as you begin to do the things that Jesus did. Yeah? What's sanctification? Becoming more like Jesus? What did Jesus do? He forgave. Be more like Jesus, basically. Amen. That as he as, as he encourages and enables us to uh, to do that, so he's not putting a condition on our forgiveness. But what he is saying is, if you want to grow and become more like Jesus, if you want to live in the experience of this, then you need to forgive. And then as a child, like the guys, child with Noel and Anna, they just like shared stories and Bernard was there to him and brought up the things that they said. Noel and Anna was like, Noel was like, how many times Rob have you sat with someone who you know has been hurt, right? And you know has been in a situation. And I'll go and be like, what has the Lord said? And time and time again, right? And I've been there myself, right? So I'm not just saying like somebody else is doing it. I'll be like, you know, what's the Lord saying? And like, oh, I haven't gone to the Lord because I know when I do, the Lord's going to ask me to forgive, right? So we like make this, we make it, what's happening there? We've unforgiveness, and what does it do? It stops us even approaching. It stops us even approaching the Father because when we know, and we don't do, so we put a distance there. We don't. You don't go there. Or maybe you're even honest with yourself and you feel like a hypocrite and you won't approach God and ask him for forgiveness. Because there's a daily thing of like repenting of our sins, but forgiven once for all time. There's a daily like like washing. Jesus when he washed the disciples' feet, you know, like they were like he was like, You've had a bath, you need a wash. Like there's a daily stuff in the stuff that we just pick up day to day that needs to be true repentance is the way that God changes our lives. But like if we've any integrity, 
like our own, our own integrity will stop us from even asking the Lord for forgiveness when we know we're not forgiving someone else. You're there, you're back in your head, and it's stop you from going close. Or Anna talked about how, you know, when you're forgiven, I'm like, I get it, I get it. But people will be like, no, I have a right to, someone does something against you, I have a right to hold that against them. I have a right to hold like, You know, and so, but what are we saying there? We're, we're like building like a right, we're building a righteousness. And it's very hard to approach Jesus who laid down his own rights, to approach the cross and see someone laying down his own rights on your behalf and at the same time hold on to your own rights. It's very hard. So what, what then should be beautiful to us then becomes a threat to us. We don't look at it because it makes us feel a bit icky, it makes us feel a bit uncomfortable because we're not willing to go. Actually, so in these ways, a distance is created when we don't forgive one another. And so this practice, this way of forgiving is, uh, is essential for us to live in right relationship with God. And because he loves us, hear this guys, because he loves us, he commands us then to forgive. And so Christian forgiveness is this. See, because, right, I've not done this before because we speak on forgiveness a lot and we will speak on it a lot because it's like, it's so, it's difficult. And like, something could happen to you today that you need to forgive. Like, um, and I could speak completely out of just like a world, like, like take Jesus out of it, take the Bible out of it. You go to any counsellor in the world with issues and they're going to tell you to forgive. Because there's like, they just know that the thing that twists you, like people who even don't believe in God will know that forgiveness sets you free. Yeah? Like it's just, it's, like we know it. It's like holding onto it will keep you like connected to that person. Holding onto it like gives people power over your lives that they shouldn't have. It enables them to have an impact on your day that they shouldn't have, like, like it allows them to have an impact on your life they shouldn't have, and like letting go of it, breaking that chain, like whatever language you want to use is a good thing. You know, I've used language I spoke before, you know, the cliche, or not cliche, the phrase people use, like forgiveness, like unforgiveness, like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. It's like you're doing something to yourself, you're holding on to something. The other person's just walking around doing whatever they're doing. You're holding on to this and it's robbing you, right? So I could completely just convince you that it's a good practice to do, like, without turning to the Bible or without turning to what God has done. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just appeal to our own selfish motives. Because we need more than just being convinced it's the right thing to do. We need to be empowered to actually do it. We need to be equipped to do it. Because it's too, it's too difficult. And so here's what Jesus does. He roots them together. Like they're always together. Forgive as you've been forgiven. And there's this, um, there's this story that he tells later on in Matthew 18. You'll know, but it's, it's a great illustration that just helps us, helps us understand like, the, the way that the Christian is meant to forgive. Basically, the story is this, what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, can be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts for his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to a mode of 10,000 talents. A talent is like a measure or something, like a kilogram or whatever. I think the way it's about 30, 30 odd kilograms, and it's probably weighted gold, so you're talking about 10,000 like 30 kilograms of gold, right? And he says 10,000, because 10,000 is the largest Roman numeral, and uh, talent is the largest weight. So Jesus is basically saying, see the biggest number you can think of, the largest number multiplied by the largest weight of, of gold, or whatever. This is what this sermon does to the king, right? It says billions of that, right? So it says, since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made, right? So it would have been within his rights to do that. 26. The servant fell on his knees and implored him, Have patience with me and I'll pay him everything. Here's where the story turns, right? It says, Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
right? So if you're hearing that story for the first time, you're like, you don't understand, like someone owes you billions, and they're not like, okay, well, I'll let you repay it over time. Just forgives it, like, writes it off, and it's gone, right? But when the same servants went out, so the guy's just been forgiven this debt, goes out, he finds one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, the equivalent of a golden grand, and sees him, and he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you, echoing the same words that I said, okay. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay When his fellow servants saw him, they were afraid of distress. And they went to report to their master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then he says, So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. From the heart. Huge. Again, Jesus, like, would just. Harsh words. Out of a honest at times, I prefer you didn't say. Like, like, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, here's, here's the way that, that my father will, will treat you. Oh, wasn't he very cold? Straight forward to the point. He was cold. <laughs> There's no messing. There's no messing. It's, uh, it's like, if you don't forgive, you won't be, you won't be forgiven. But the key, the key verse in that, right, is understanding the grace in the middle of it, yeah? If you only had the second half of the story, that there was somebody who owed a few grand, and somebody, like, demanded repayment, you think, all right, fair enough, they had a debt, they had to repay. Like, that's, that's fair, that's how the world works, right? But when you have the first part of the story, and the one who's looking for repayment is the one who's been forgiven by for a far greater amount, then you see the injustice in it, right? Now it becomes a different situation. Now it becomes like... Like, uh, like banks that were bailed out for billions trying to repossess some, some old woman's home or something. Do you know what I mean? Like now there's like an injustice. Wait a minute. You guys have all this written off and now you're chasing after. You're chasing after that day. You know, now there's an injustice in. And that's the key to, the key to Christian forgiveness. What I'm trying to say to you guys is about revelation and response. Is, is, is understanding that regardless of what's been done to you, I, I recognize the weight of stuff, right? That it's eclipsed by the debt that we owe to God for our open rebellion on. You might think, well, I haven't done, I haven't done much wrong, I don't need much forgiven. And that's where it says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of its sin. That we come to realise just in how many ways we've offended the heart of God by just rejecting him, by looking to whatever else to satisfy my need. Like by rejecting his grace, by rejecting his love, by daily choosing other things to, 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 to look to satisfy our souls or our needs or our urges or whatever instead of like this offer that it has. And when we realise the scope of what he's done on an eternal scale of not just forgiving a monetary debt but giving you a hope and a future and eternity in the kingdom of God assured because of what Jesus did. Jesus nailed to a cross for your sin. God didn't like overdo it and nail Jesus to the cross for your sin. It was like, that's the, that's the scope of what we deserved as sinners. And I know it's not popular to talk in that way, like around sinners or like turn or burn kind of stuff. And we don't often speak in that way, guys. But unless we have a deep conviction of our sins, we'll see ourselves as people who've been forgiven a little. And what happened in return, you'll forgive a little. If you understand yourself as someone who's been forgiven a lot, then you forgive. You forgive a lot. I'm convinced the greatest thing that the, the Holy Spirit can do is, is convict us, convict us of our sin, show us in that way. So that, we, that, that like, the more we're aware of it, the more, like, the bigger the grace of God becomes, you know? Like the encounter step, right? You're more sinful than you ever dare think. At the same time, you're more loved than you ever dare imagine. 
Was that God exposes some of your heart that you realize, man, I didn't realize that was actually going on at a heart level. Then you're like, man, God, you loved me in the middle of that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You scope of appreciation, understanding, and worship in light of what God has done for you, grows. And then we get to be like Him. As we're empowered. It's not just down to our self-interest. It's like those who've been forgiven much, forgiven much. Those who've been loved much, loved much. That we're equipped and we're resourced. And you have something to give. And the cross and the forgiveness that God offers you, He's giving you something to give. You might think, I can't forgive. He's giving you something to do. That you can do it. God has forgiven us. I'm not saying your pain is small. I'm not saying that what people did to you was unimportant. What I am saying is that you can forgive because you've been empowered to do so. Because Jesus lives in you by his Holy Spirit who can forgive. Amen. I pray that God will grace us with that. Forgive in a way that doesn't make sense. You know, the, um, what prompted Jesus telling this story? Jesus was talking about relationships within the church and he was like, look, if your brother sins against you, go to him and like explain it to him. And then he gives some more instructions. Look, if he doesn't listen, like, bring some more people from the church and try and work it out. And if not, then, like you can, like he says, let him be to you like a Gentile, meaning like if he's not repentant, he's not showing that he's a Christian in terms of responding like there's a space. But even that can be grace to somebody to show like, oh, turn, I need to be practicing this stuff. And so Peter responds to him. Well, look, how many times am I meant to forgive me, brother? Well, if he forgives against me seven times a day. Peter's probably thinking he's being generous, saying, if like, if I, well, I forgive him seven times a day. And Jesus says back to him, no, 70 times seven. 70 times seven, Like a day. You're <laughs> meant to forgive someone. What's Jesus doing there? Just like back in Genesis 4, he's, he's, creating, he's creating a new a new order in the world. Bridget was saying to me, John, just over the last day or two, it's not natural to forgive. It's not natural in us to and we see that right at the beginning. You know the story of the origins of things. You have the story of Cain killing Abel, right? And Cain kills Abel, and after it, God punishes him. And Cain says to him, look, if you send me away from here, people are going to murder me, and people are going to kill me for what I did. And God's like, look, don't worry about it. I don't even know fully what it is. He says he puts some mark on Cain. And he says to him, if anyone harms Cain, I'll avenge them sevenfold, right? So there was this God like saying, no, I'm still going to protect you. Look you. Cain's great-great-grandson, the next verses we have is like Cain had Enoch, and Enoch had whoever and had whoever. Four generations down, there's a guy comes along called Lamech. And uh, it says in the same chapter, a guy called Lamech murders somebody. And he says to his two wives, he says, uh, look, if Cain is avenged seven times, I'm going to be avenged 70 times, seven times. It's like the, the, the progression of human like vengeance. And we know that, man. That's, I don't have to, that's natural in your... Imagine, like, just... Somebody did something against your wife, like you just imagine like you would go to town on them. Like you have these like revenge fantasies in your head. Someone against some like that we don't that's the way the world works, yeah. You hurt me in some way, I'm gonna hurt you twice as bad to make sure you never do it again. But what happens is then the person retaliates three times as bad and you end up with wars and you end up with like just the source of God is saying, This is the way the world is going. Starts with hate and able to murder or a couple of generations later. So someone does something to me, I'm gonna avenge them like seventy times, like like to an extent of like, like I'm not going to put off anybody from hurting me through the way that I'll, I'll advantage, right? And since then, that's the order of the world. That's the way that people have operated. And we see the way the world knows Jesus comes along. And he deliberately echoes that 70 times 7. He's like, you know, it's in forgiveness. It's like, here's how the world has changed. Here's what happens. And instead of revenge, and instead of what's natural to you now, there's a new nature that I'm giving you. Based on how you've been forgiven. That you'll be relentless in your forgiveness. That you'll be relentless in 
that, that our hearts were changed and reoriented to be like, I'm going I'm to participate, I'm going to be a part of this new kingdom. But to be a righteous like anger in us that ensures that I'm going to become more like Jesus in this situation. See what people did to me, that's, that's what's going to make me more like Jesus. As we were speaking last week, I spoke to this in and a young girl there, and she was struggling with forgiveness. And she's like, bro, she opened up, she's like, bro, when will it end? She's like, I'm trying to forget. Trying to forgive, and then they do some, there's something else happens. You know what I mean? I'm trying to forgive, and, and uh, I'm tired, and I think I've done it, and then it's like, it goes on again. And somebody else from the crowd, not me, which is brilliant, with genius, said, See, each time you forgive, you become more like Jesus. And it changed the perspective on it. Like, each time I forgive, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Each time I forgive, I'm releasing something of the kingdom of God. Each time I forgive, more like so God would use even the bad things you've been through to make you to make you more like his kingdom come in your life. Each time we do it, and the point I want to try and make, right, is that we want to be people who practice this. Not that I just end this big sermon with like some moment and then we talk about it again in a few years and you have another few years worth of forgiveness there. Like the verse we was talking about, it's the same verse we talked about. Right? Today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debts. How often should we be forgiven? It's like daily. Right. See, it's the same sentence. It's assumed you're going to pray this prayer each day. That there shouldn't be like build up of years of stuff. There shouldn't be like spaces where like years going on and years going on. Someone does something else. And now you're not only forgiving them for that thing, you're forgiving them for 10 years of stuff. You know? It's like daily. And that it's a practice, I think. That's, it's been really compelling to me, guys, this whole idea of practicing the ways of Jesus. And the expectation that we have that I bought, I bought Penny a guitar for Christmas. I don't know if I used this illustration which is before, but I bought her a guitar for Christmas and I showed her how to play a couple of chords. But does that mean Penny now knows how to play the guitar? Like, no, what does it take? It takes, it takes some practice. And she picks it up each day and she begins to do it. Next week she'll be able to do something that she couldn't do this week. And a month from now she'll be better. And she keeps practicing, she'll get better and better and better at it. And I think it's that way with the way of Jesus. We expect some big thing, like I'm going to like forgive everything now. But what if it's a daily routine of each time you pray and each time you go to God for forgiveness, you're also like, the Lord help me to forgive. I let go of that day. And let it go. Keep it short accounts. Maybe there's a process of the big things that we need to forgive. But that ultimately God will get us to a place where when we forgive quickly. You're not, you're not walking around collecting debts. And I just say I hope so as well, right? I'm not to condemn because I've, I've been there. But sometimes we hold on to the debt to others because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Somewhere, which is kind of a tough thing to say, right? But it's always like you can carve out an identity for yourself as the person who's been wronged. You know? Like I'm the wronged person. And, uh, and when we face our own inadequacies or something, like we can be like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. <laughs> at least compared to them, I'm great. What are we doing there? What do we call it what it is? That's self righteousness, yeah? Like, many people who say, I have no righteousness except that, that, that Jesus offers me. And day by day, as he lives in me, he's going to make me more, more righteous, more conforming to the image of his son. And be willing to go with that. So, more than the big moment of now will you forgive everyone, I'm interested in, like, Together, guys, as a people, could we be shaped in a way that we call one another to this? That we remind that as you pray in the morning, like whatever the rhythm looks like in your life, preferably not alone, but with people, forgive us. Yeah, the Lord's prayers in the plural. We live in an individualistic society that, like, dismisses that stuff. It's just about me. 
forgive us that we would be together in this, helping one another forgive, reminding one another of what Jesus has done, calling one another to it because we love one another the way that Jesus has loved us. And that it would be established as a practice in our lives so that we're set free and so that we bear, we bear fruit. Convinced that forgiveness stuff is like a daily, it's the daily picking up of the weeds. When you go around, guys, have you ever heard, if you go around and the weeds are small, man, pick that up, it's gone. You know what I mean? It doesn't get a chance to grow. When you leave it for a few weeks or months or whatever, now the weeds have overtaken. The roots are deep. You have to dig. There's a bit of work to it. And that's work that's worth doing, right? But then there's work that's worth like daily. How am I going to be more like Jesus day after day? Yeah? Um, let, me, uh, let me pray for you in that way. And then uh, we're going to, Bridget's going to lead us in communion in a great way of remembering who, who Jesus is. So. Um, Father, I come before you. Um, I come before you with this Lord, and I pray that, Lord, in all of it, Lord, and things that were said, um, what needs to land in our lives, I pray, that it, I pray that it would land by the power of your Holy Spirit now, Lord. And I pray that there would be a strengthening in our bones, I pray there would be an encouragement, I pray there would be a decision in our hearts, um, in some way to begin to practice these ways, to be more like you, Jesus. Lord, what you've called us to is huge. Like that you could have called us to be people who walk in full forgiveness with you, in full intimacy with you, and releasing and replicating that forgiveness in the world. That's, Lord, that's giant. Lord, I want to recognize, like, one of two things. One, I recognize the scope of pain that people have been through, and we, 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 we recognize that it's wrong, Lord. And we say that it's wrong. We trust justice to you, Lord God. Um, and the second thing I want to do is recognize that far beyond that, Lord, there was a debt that we owed you and that you've forgiven us for. We thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for providing everything to make us right with you and assuring us of a destiny, a future, Lord God, a hope, Lord, for eternity. I pray that we would be compelled by that. I pray over your church that they would live in light of that greatness, that they would wake up in the morning and sing of your faithfulness, Lord God, and be aware of it. And as they are, Lord, they would be shaped into your image, become more like your son, and that you would unite us together as your body as we do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.